guys are ready, I'm going to read Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brothers, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? This part, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. We've all seen and we've all encountered judgment, right? With and without realizing it at times. When we've seen maybe someone who looked kind of sketchy and homeless off of 7th Street, right? Or people maybe that are on drugs on 7th Street. And you know why I'm mentioning this? Because me, one night I'll never forget, it was about 12 years ago, my family and I were driving home late. We needed some gas. And so we stopped at what was AMPM off of 7th Street at the time. And we saw this gentleman who looked homeless and he came to my parents' car and he asked, if he could clean our windows. And of course, what do we do when we judge people before we even get to know them? We roll our eyes, right? Like this again, are you kidding me? And that's what we did. We rolled our eyes. Here we go again. We've heard this story. We know exactly what he's going to say. But this night was so different than anything else. As my dad would continue to talk to this gentleman for a long time, we all decided we're going to join in on this conversation. We're going to roll down our windows because he was so inspiring, this gentleman. I'll never forget him. Like, dude, what's your name? And he's like, I go by the name Green Mile. And he shared with us the reason that he was homeless. He kept trying for jobs, but he got kicked out of his house. He couldn't afford it, but that he loved Jesus. And you could tell by his fruit, guys, not by his outward appearance and how he looked, but by his inward heart. He wasn't just spooling out left and right these Bible verses. He was saying how much he loved Jesus, even, as I mentioned now, in the middle of of his circumstances that weren't bright, that were horrible, that we would just absolutely hate. He was praising Jesus. And after that, not only did I feel judgmental, but I felt like the biggest jerk ever. <laughs> How many of us could feel like jerks a lot of times, right? If we're honest here this morning, we judge without getting the facts right. And that's what this passage is about. Now, I don't want you to I want you to understand what I'm saying, but I also don't want you to think this passage is saying just trust everybody. It's saying to have the right discernment, the right discernment from the Holy Spirit. And, of course, to use safety, but don't always be so quick to dismiss someone for how they may appear. All of us here have judged and look at others because it's so easy to look at others Instead of taking a hard look, what? And ourselves. That's why some of us don't like mirrors in the house. It's not a physical appearance only, but it's a spiritual appearance, guys. We don't like to look at ourselves because it's so much easier to blame someone else for what they're doing is wrong. You guys, this passage here gets misquoted so often, especially by the non-believer. Because they say, do not judge, but that's not the kind of judge that Jesus is talking about. Jesus doesn't say he doesn't prohibit the judgment to others. He only requires that our judgment be completely fair. 
completely fair and that we judge others by a standard that we would also like to be judged by. That we would like to be judged by. This passage, when I was preparing for this, dude, I was like, okay, Lord, I get what you're saying, okay? I get it. It was tough. Brothers and sisters, the first principle of what Jesus is telling us here is that we begin with ourselves. We begin looking at ourselves before we're looking at others. That's the first statement here. And in your notes, if you guys have those, if you could just fill in the first blank. The key here, before we pass judgment, we must first judge ourselves. It's that simple. We must first judge ourselves. I must first judge Alan Schwartz. I'm accountable for my own actions. I'm accountable for mine and my family. How can you do something so terrible, though, right? That's what we tell people. We tell people, how could you do something so terrible to me? How could you backstab me? But time and time again, right, Jesus on a daily basis, he forgives us, and he doesn't rub it in our face. We mess up thousands of times in a day. Hopefully it's not that much, guys. Hopefully we're getting better. Next in your notes, the next time you look at your neighbor's junk, look at your own junk instead. Look at your own stinking junk. Because we have a lot of junk drawers. We have a lot of junk in our own house. We have a lot of things that we need to fix before we try fixing others, guys. It starts with us. It starts with Alan before I point the finger at someone else. And I believe this is something that so many of us Christians fall and alter and need so much improvement at in the church. So much. That's why we are called hypocrites in the church, guys. Because we tend to be one if we're honest and we look in the mirror. We tend to be them. It's sad. We need to grow up. And what we need to do is we need to pick our junk up, throw it in the trash, get rid of it. Come in agreement with the person or people that maybe you don't see eye to eye with at this moment in time. Or maybe that you really don't care for and come to an agreement that you're both sinners saved by grace. In need of our Savior. That you're no more better than they are. And they're no more better than you. We both have major flaws and blemishes. So who am I to judge you in an incorrect manner just because I'm upset with you? Just because I don't agree with you at this moment in time. Now, for me, that's very difficult. When you don't agree with me, right? Mostly men, I feel like we are so prideful. We need to step aside from that and say, you know what? We may not agree with you, but we're going to walk away from this argument to not agree. Okay, because there will be times in our lives that we do not agree with people. Bottom line, there will be times in our lives that we don't. So what happens next is Jesus continues here in seven, right? This is a Sermon on the Mount series by teaching his disciples. He's talking to his disciples here to judge righteously. And Jesus is telling us this is the characteristics of how you are to judge of what a God-fearing believer should look like that's quite frightening as well isn't it if we're honest here this morning because we're not righteous at all and god god is pointing us toward an inward transformation taking place here though he says about him changing our lives by telling us to make a good look at ourselves jesus is talking to christians here in this passage and he's making a statement as we read the context in whole. Jesus isn't telling us not to judge. He's telling us to make the right choices in this life. To make the right judgment call. Judge others the way that we want to be judged. And to judge others and deal with their own faults 
before we engage in correcting and judging others. The Greek word here used for judge, which I didn't even know uh, as we talked about it last week, this almost coincides with what Pastor Dane's been talking about. Only God could do something like that. But for judge, it means krino, same thing that we saw last week in Greek. It means to decide, to judge, and to condemn. It literally means to separate, just so like Jesus didn't come to earth the first time to judge and condemn sinners to hell. He commands us to follow in his footsteps and not judge or condemn people to hell either. I mean, if we're honest here this morning, we get so mad so quickly. And there's been so many times that we do condemn people, huh? When we get upset, oh man, forget them, they could just go to hell. So easy. I know I've done it, and I do it. I know you guys do too. But we are to judge so differently than that. About the right things in the right way, in the right manner. For example, one thing we are to judge is false teachers. It says down in Matthew seven, fifteen through 16. It says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. But it says here, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? People ask, well, how do you know? You'll know them by their fruit. And the fruit that God's talking about here is their hearts. It's just a matter of time before someone's heart comes out with something. Just like when you go to the grocery store, I hope that when you buy fruit and you put it in the grocery store, that you examine it. You don't just, you make sure that it's not moldy. You make sure it's the one you like. In the same manner, we're to make sure the fruit is right with the believers. We're to examine them, take a close look at them, make sure what they're saying is correct. The next step that we get on that is John seven twenty four. It says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Just like Green Mile, I judged him right. In other words, make the right choices, not just by appearance alone. What do not judge means here is to not judge without the right objective, without the right heart. Because our heart, you see, must be in alignment with God. Therefore, we will speak the truth in love when our heart is right and in alignment with God. And let's look at one more. It's 1 Corinthians 6. This is a letter by Paul. He says in this letter, I write to shame you. Is it possible there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? It's like there has to be a choice made here. There has to be one person who could cause the verdict. You understand you have to judge. We live life and we, make, we have to make good decisions. But yet as Christians, we're told by the world to shut up with this Jesus talk. And do not tell me what is right and what is wrong. Unfortunately, you guys, many of us Christians have fallen victim into these lies. And caved into what the world is saying is right. You do not have to agree with me. But if you are a follower of Christ, homosexuality, pornography, premarital sex, idolatry, abortion, just to name a few, all these things are absolutely wrong. Don't blame me for it. 
I'm just speaking the truth to you, and we shouldn't let anyone tell us otherwise. We are to love these people, though. Hate the sin, but love them anyways. But still have your opinion, guys. And you know why? We have backed down because we have waved from the Bible. Society has. And it's allowed social media, movies, TV shows, Netflix series, award shows to tell us what's right and what is wrong. And we have lost our morals, our values, and our Christian backbone. We really have. You're to judge through the scope and the lenses of the Bible and come out with the correct judgment yourself. God gives us the facts through the word of God, and we're to come out with the facts, but not by being a jerk. Saying it in a loving, correct way, with correct discernment. And we must rise up so we have a biblical worldview, not a worldview. We must speak the truth in love and in obedience. And when we love someone and they're living in sin, we shouldn't leave them empty-handed, guys. We should help them. We do not want to see them drowning by themselves. We want to make sure that they make it to the shore. Make sure to make them sure. When most of us have a problem with a person, though, what do we do? We focus on what the person did one time wrong to us. Just once. Or what's wrong with them? We think that maybe the problem will get better if the other person will just change. Yet we need to focus on what Jesus tells us. He tells us that we must focus on our own weaknesses. And changes that we need to make ourselves. This is not to say those around you do not have faults, bad habits, and sin in their life. As none of us are without sin, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.10, not one are righteous. We all do, but despite that, God wants us to first focus on what we must do, what Alan Schwartz must do, and how we can change, and how Alan could change. Church, could you imagine Could you just imagine how much better, for example, this world would be if we focused so much on our relationship with ourselves towards God instead of trying to only fix others around us that are all screwed up and messed up? Could you imagine how much better this life would be? Could you imagine how better our relationship with Christ would be? And church, do you know how much better this world would be if we tried fixing our own marriage instead of condemning others? Church, do you know how much better this world would be if we focus on fixing our bad mouths instead of others? And church, I can go on and on, but how much better would this world be if we focused on fixing our anger instead of telling others how bad theirs is while yelling at them? For example, I'll use myself. There's been times, I'm just going to be honest with you, when I tell Ryland, stop yelling at me. Does that make any sense? We talked about it later on in verse 3 through 5. We're hypocrites. It doesn't make any sense. But when we talk tender and in love, someone is more aptable to receive it as well than just attacking them. Next in your notes, it's easy to judge a drowning man in someone else's pond while you're slowly drowning in your own. It's easy to see what's wrong with someone else at their house when your house is flooded yourself. You may even realize it, but you don't even want to do anything to fix it because you're so fixated on that person that you're upset with or judging. 
guys, not much has changed. It starts now. It starts now, and it starts with us. Let's look in the mirror, as I said earlier, and ask the Lord who he would like us to become. We'd like Alan to become, who we would like you to become. Next in your notes, this is why. It's easy to judge others as it takes the focus off your junk and sin. It takes your life that may be miserable and you're slowly decaying spiritually, and it makes you happy to judge someone else. I know this could be very hard to hear, but it's the bottom line, and it's factual that this is who we are as humans sometimes because God wants to change in us, guys, and it starts with us because guess what? We have a coming judgment, and we'll stand before our Lord of Lord and kings of kings, and we must remember that we are saved by grace and that when we encounter God, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in front of a holy and awesome, pure God. He knows everything about you and me and our hearts inside and out. Everything. There's no hiding from him. He's here in the midst right now. And in verse 2 of this passage, Jesus is instructing us to not judge with an unfair measure. Unless you want to be judged with an unfair measure. I know about you, but I do not want to be judged with an unfair measure. For example, if you care more about what the preacher is wearing on a Sunday... And what the sermon is about, you must check your heart. Trust me, it happens. That's all I'm going to say. I'll leave it at that. How do you want people to judge you? How do you want people to judge you? Do you want people to look at one instance of your life and judge your entire life as a whole? Well, they were screwed up. They were weird in high school, so now I'm always going to think they were that way. Well, maybe you were kind of weird and ugly looking in high school. Maybe you weren't all there. You guys, we need to stop being so judgmental, don't we? We got to stop being so prideful. We have to change and walk in the way that God wants us to walk and talk in the way that God wants us to talk and be fearfully, wonderfully made the way that Jesus wants us to. Because the issue and the problem here is we judge too harshly, too fast, and with air more than we should. We do not give people second chances, yet Jesus gives us millions of chances. You guys, for instance, tell me this isn't wrong. People could look at us the wrong way one time. And we get so ticked off at them. One time, look at us the wrong way, and we're upset with them. And why is this? I found out just a few reasons why we're so judgmental and critical. It helps boost our own crumbling self-image. When we point out others' faults, we seem to be better in our own eyes. Oh, well, they're awful. Shame on us. Shame on us. Proverbs sixteen eighteen tells us this. It tells us we better be careful before we go on an ego trip because pride always comes before a fall. Before a fall, excuse me. We also enjoy criticism because we find pleasure in hearing and sharing others' shortcomings, which is why gossip is so popular. Y'all are laughing because you know it's true. <laughs> We want to see others fail. A lot of us like to see others fail, or we don't want them to have nicer things than us. Oh, man, this person has a nice house. Oh, this person has a nicer car. Oh, this person's family's going to vacation often, this, that, and the other. And we're jealous individuals, and we want what they want. 
Be content in your own circumstances and be happy for them. Be happy for them. Where you are in your life now doesn't matter because God defines you as his child of God. You don't have to have everything your neighbor has or your best friend has. This happens so often. I hear it so much. You have to have what you have in the moment you have it because you still have a lot more than you probably know you have and you take for granted far often than you should. In verses 3 through 5, Jesus is saying, those who fail to examine themselves properly, their judgment is hypocritical and it's inconsistent. There's no consistency with it. He is saying, do not be a hypocrite. Instead, we need to do a thorough investigation of ourselves before we start to examine others. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. It's a good reminder of this. It says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. It might just be me, but there's days where I'm like, Lord, don't search my heart. There may be moments, don't search me. Oh, my goodness. Do not right now, Lord. I was bad, man. But, Lord, you still love me anyways. You still give me a chance to go to heaven anyways. That's an everlasting love. That is a love that we don't even fathom, that we take for granted so often. In verses 3 through 5, we'll see three elements that Jesus spoke of. First, it says we must take the plank out of our own eye. Second, then we can see clearly. I don't know about you, but I want to see clearly again. I'm getting old, man. I have glasses now. Are you kidding me? Third element is once we see clearly, we can lovingly remove the speck from someone else's eye. The first in your notes. If we try to remove the speck from the other person's eye without first taking the plank out of our eye, we cannot see clearly. And we will hurt the other person. So true. There are times where I will be upset with someone. And if they just attack us, what ends up happening? We're on the defense and we're just going to attack them right back. But if you come to them, say, you know what, man, I, I didn't agree with you. In a loving manner, hopefully it doesn't go so bad. It's how we approach things, guys. It's how we say things, especially right off the bat. And Paul made a similar point here in Galatians 6.1 when he wrote, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you are spiritually should restore him gently. When someone is drowning, try to pick them up gently. Don't condemn them and be like the street people who are preaching saying, You're all burning in hell. Does that work? You're condemning people. Speak in love the way that you want to be judged. And ask God, did I contribute to the problem? Whoa, that might fix a lot of problems. <laughs> did I actually contribute to this fight? And as we actually become aware of our emotions and our actions and words, they affect others, right? They affect others. We will find that we actually contribute to problems more than we realize. Next in your notes, spend some quiet time with God. Asking him to show you where you need to change. Oh, trust me. He speaks to me in volumes. 
loud voices sometimes, Alan. You may not always like it, but it'll speak the truth. You can ask someone who you got upset if you offended them. And if you do, guys, listen to what they have to say. <laughs> listen to their response. Listen carefully with get, without getting in an argument. You don't have to fight to prove a point. Carefully without getting into an argument. As it tells us in James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Not everyone should be slow to listen, fast to speak, and fast to become angry. But I happen to do that often, don't you guys? Next, uh, truly understand the person's opinions and emotions. And when you understand where the other person is coming from, even if you don't agree with them, look for ways you can minister as you share with them. Because Jesus said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 26, 28 says, through 28. We need to learn what? Christ's humility. To be humble. God wants us to speak with love and courtesy, whatever the circumstances. Remember, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. However, we must not learn to just concentrate on their weaknesses, but pray and ask for God to take care of them and to take care of us. In your notes, sometimes we need to talk about problems. And the key is to do it God's way with courtesy and respect. Challenging and it's tough, but it's not impossible, or else God wouldn't instruct us believers to do so. John 13, 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. You guys know it as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Church, this is amazing, but could you imagine how much stronger our walk with the Lord would be if we focused on changing ourselves, Alan? As much as we want to change others. If every day we got up, we got in the word of God, and we said, Lord, change me, direct me towards what passage you want me to read. And change me, work my spiritual muscle out, and only fixated ourselves. Could you imagine how much stronger our walk would be with Christ? We would actually be the light of the world. And there are four ways to see the plank in our own eyes. The first one is remember. If we could put that on the screen, perfect. Remember, do you remember, guys, what you were before Christ saved you? <laughs> Woo! Do you remember what you were when you first got saved? And carefully listen to this. Do you remember last week or even this morning or even yeah, when you were getting ready that you said something you shouldn't have said or you did something you shouldn't have had? Or was that just me? Maybe that was just me? Okay, there we are. We're being honest today. <laughs> because it says, apart from Christ, we don't look so good, right? We don't. Before you get ready to bring the hammer of judgment to someone, down on someone else, remember these humbling words and allow Jesus' ring true in your heart. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Well, dang. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> right? That's tough. Next is review. 
what Jesus is saying here when he says to review our hearts. He's saying, how can you be so quick to judge one another person without first looking what is inside of you? As I always say about this, without giving yourself an MRI, without seeing your x-ray, examination your heart. This is always a great place just to begin. A great place to start. In your notes, it's a great idea to look at the condition of your heart before you try to deal with the condition of someone else's. I don't mean physically, spiritually. Check the condition of your heart. There are many things we could do that can mess that up and that we can go wrong with this, right? As Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us, it reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things. I can't tell you how many times I've looked back on something I did and I recognized that my motivation for doing it was all wrong. I remember several years ago, several, several years ago, I had a problem biting my nails. My parents tried everything. They tried the red hot pepper, everything. But as several of you guys know, I'm a huge Dodger fan, huge Laker fan. So my parents are like, Alan, we will give you a mini plan tickets to go see the Dodgers if you stop biting your nails. Dude, of course I'm going to stop biting my nails. It worked. But guess what? It wasn't because I just wanted to stop biting my nails. It's because my motivation was to get those tickets, man. And I'm not saying I was wrong. They offered. They made the offer. I could not not accept. But sometimes our motivation for doing something is because we want something in return. It's for the wrong reason. We should do it because God tells us to do it. But how else will we recognize this unless we take a moment and review what's in our heart? When you do, you will discover that it's hard enough to sort out your own emotions, your own problems and feelings than to even point out someone else's. With this being the case, what chance do you have to determine someone else's, it says? Consider what Haggai 1.5 says. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. When was the last time you and I did that? I believe if you will do that, you will often see the plank in your own eye. Thirdly, relax. I remember when my Donna was still alive, she would get so nervous a lot. <laughs> I loved her so much, but she would go jokingly, and sometimes probably honestly too, and she'd say, Alan, you're making me so nervous right now, I got to chill and take a chill pill. <laughs> I was like, you're taking a Benadryl. Okay, Nana, you take it. I'm like, just relax. Just relax. How many of us need to just relax before we start talking sometimes? We just need to relax. When I was younger, guys, I allowed no room for relaxing. For anyone else's opinion, especially when it came down to sports, I thought I knew everything. I did. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? But as I got an older, hopefully more mature and wiser, I've learned to relax when listening and dealing with other people. Now, I know for a lot of you guys, man, you guys know everything politically. I don't even talk politics. I know a lot of times politics is what destroys families. It's so sad. We can't have an opinion without someone else having an opinion, but their opinion doesn't matter, and they're getting condemned going to hell because our opinion is the only one that matters, and you can't agree to disagree. And it's just an ongoing thing that you can't even bring it up at dinner table. But for some of us, we love Jesus Christ so much, but we never bring him up at dinner table either. And by our fruit isn't even being seen by our actions. Guys, we must relax when when listening and dealing with other people.
before we pass judgment and come to a conclusion. Relax. Take that chill pill, but hopefully it's not Benadryl or anything else. (laughs) Sometimes we in the church can be so quick to bring the pain of judgment before we have all the facts. For example, the first person to speak in court always seems right, huh? Until the opponent begins to question him. Well, this person, he had a gun showing at my head. And then the defendant's like, yeah, dude, because (laughs) you were pointing the gun at me. But the first person to speak, it sounds like they're usually innocent. How dare them do that to them until you hear all the facts, till you gather up all the facts. And how often have we jumped to conclusions and judgment before having all the facts, having all the information? We're doing exactly what Jesus warned us not to do when we do that. So how do we do this? We relax by hearing them all out, taking a moment of our time, gathering all the information, and once you have complete information, and make a fair decision upon that. And if that doesn't help you, then remember how God deals with us and our stuff. It says in Psalm 103, through 10, how he does. It says, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he be harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to his iniquities. What a faithful, graceful God. Notice God who has complete information, all the facts, and in the position to pass judgment with just cause chooses not to. He responds with compassion, grace, mercy, slowness, love. And do you think maybe it would make a huge difference in your life and the lives of those around us if we treated people this way like Jesus does? This is the heart of what Jesus was getting at. In fact, wrapped within the same thing of Luke, Jesus says these words in Luke 6:37, "Forgive and you will be forgiven." Fourth one, don't let judgment hinder you showing compassion. It all comes down to kindness and compassion. You guys, have you noticed when you really care about a person, you're not really quick to judge. But when you don't love someone, you're very quick to judge and get angry with. I mean, there's been times, I know you guys can agree with this, where people we don't like for no good reason, no good reason, because they wore green and you like blue. Like, it's ridiculous, right? Like, oh, we like coffee, they like soda, dude, we can't get along. Like, it's just petty stuff sometimes, right? And sometimes you'll see them and you want nothing to do with them because you just don't like them and you write them off. And they're trying to talk to you, and you just come up with this harsh reason why you don't like them and why you don't love them. Let's come to this place where we put Jesus' words into practice and also remember what the Apostle Paul said. He said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave us in Ephesians 4.32. I truly believe if each of us can do this, then you and I will begin to see the planks In our own eyes. By the time we get finished removing them, the specks of dust won't even matter that much anymore. Before I wrap up, you guys, we must not be like the Pharisees who saw the sins of others, but they would not look at their own sin. Before I wrap up here, I I was a huge athlete. Uh, growing up, and I remember, even if I won the championship, 
I wanted to get better. And I really didn't care how good my opponents were and how great they were or what their training regimen was for the offseason. But what I wanted to fixate my regimen on was myself. Get better every single year, work on areas of my life that were weaknesses and even were strengths. I wanted to get even stronger. And in the same sense, spiritually, that's what I was taught from this this morning is work out spiritually your strengths, but also your heirs, things that need help, things that need work on. Work on yourself. Don't fixate your eyes so much on others who need fixing. Allow God to fix their lives. I'm going to ask if Caesar could come up right now if you guys need prayer of any kind. Caesar's going to be here as well as myself. We'd love to pray for you. And I want to close out just by praying for you guys. And honestly, if you guys want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, before I say this prayer with all of our eyes closed, if you could just raise your hand or if you if you want to be more like Jesus here this morning and judge in an unjudgingly manner, just if you could raise that hand that you want to change and be more like this passage as I'm going to raise my hand because I want to be more like a Christian that God calls us to be this morning. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this morning. I thank you that these people are bold to know that we don't have everything right. And that before, Father God, with every hand still lifted, Lord, that you would change us. That we would be bold like a lion, Father God. That we would be strong and of good courage. And that we wouldn't be afraid to stand up our... For our beliefs anymore. But in the right loving manner. There is a way to do it Lord. That we would be bold in what we say. Uh, Lord I lift up every single person here this morning. That they would be safe on their way back home. That you would change us. And that we wouldn't judge unfairly. Unless we want to be judged unfairly. I pray for those including myself who have enemies who have hurt us so badly and it seems almost impossible to forgive them because they have done such bad things to us, Lord. We could love them, but from a distance, I want to make that known fact today. We do not have to hang out with them, but that we can love them from a distance, which is even hard enough, Lord. I lift up those that maybe made a decision to follow you here this morning. They made the best decision of their life. It will be a hard decision to follow you, but the reward is the best when we see you face to face with no more agony, no more pain, and not having to worry about this very hard and challenging life, Lord. I thank you again for this opportunity. Be with Pastor Dana and all the youth as they're up there. Let them be safe and have a stronger relationship for you. And as your children, we all say this in agreement. Amen.